Seeking Confidential Podcast. Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kurt. Joining me today, Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome. Glad to be here, Luke. Dan is gallivanting around the world, jet-setting, world-traveling, whatever we want to call it. So he is not here today, but um, the last two weeks I have been otherwise occupied moving, and so now that I'm finally moved, I never have to move again unless I really, really want to. Um, and so we're going to just play a little bit of catch up on what has been going on in geek culture. For me, it's a big weekend because even though I'm not in Anaheim, BlizzCon is taking place, which or is going on, which of course is the reveal for the new World of Warcraft expansion. We got an Overwatch 2 um, announcement. Diablo 4 is coming out. There's a Hearthstone. Pew, pew, pew. Right, right. Um, there's some very, there's some very exciting, uh, things going on in the world of Blizzard gaming, which I can't wait to dive into more now that I'm like getting back into everything geek. When you've been like moving for two weeks and getting all that stuff down, you just don't pay attention to those type of things. So I'm plugging myself back in. Maybe it's a little bit like Neo. I need the thing that goes in the back of my neck. Um, but what have you guys been enjoying while we've been gone? Mel, what jumped out for you, whether in television, film, whatever it was? So I think my big surprise over the two weeks is I actually went to see the Joker movie. Almost against my will, but I was like, eh, I'll give it a shot. And you know what? I was pleasantly surprised by the Joker movie. Because for me, we've all seen Joker We've seen it done a thousand times. And I kind of just felt like this was a little bit of a different take. That they, in this movie, you felt a bit more sympathy for Joker. They made him a little bit more human, you know? Because Joker always had a mental illness. But in this one, it was, it was definitely different, you know? And he was just kind of trying to make it and... It, it his mind wouldn't let him make it or the people around him wouldn't let him do it. And by the end of the movie, honestly, I was on Joker's side. I was like, yeah, everybody got to go. You got to kill everybody. And I also think the take that they had on Thomas Wayne, on Bruce Wayne's father, I thought that was interesting too because they made them this, this awful human being. So that was really good. And Joaquin Phoenix, his performance definitely stood out. I couldn't believe how thin he was in that role because usually he's not that thin so I was just like wow this is I I enjoyed it way more than I thought it would it was definitely my my biggest like hmm I gotta talk about this on the podcast so let me ask you because like I I don't mind Joker as a character I love him in the cartoons I don't Mm -hmm. mind him in popping up in movies I was I'm really nervous about going to a movie that glorifies his many complicated issues. So when you like, when you're walking out of there, you said that you're like almost on his side. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Because like, 
in the world of anti-heroes where mm -hmm. you're rooting for the bad guy or the person who is majorly, majorly screwed up, um, if this was on my other podcast, we would be like, well, a segment of us would not be too happy with the Sonny and Jason side of things. Um, <laughs> but I just like I... I was conflicted about going. I don't really have a desire to see it, partially because Heath Ledger's Joker was so good. And I remember that movie and like how unsettled I was by that. And I wasn't mm -hmm. sure I could take an entire movie of being unsettled by a, just the Joker. I mean, Joker in general, that whole character is unsettling. But in this one, to me, the way that the story unfolded the way that it was told. And I'm trying not to give away spoilers here, just in case no one has seen it. The way that it was told, it is very like, this is what's happening to this man because he has said mental illness and the world doesn't quite understand it. So in, in the movie he has, um, you know, the disease where you laugh at uh, in inappropriate moments. Uh -huh. That's what Joker has. And it's people don't understand and he's trying to go to therapy and he's working it out and he was on medication and, and things like that. And it's just, it's not working for him, but the world around him is so cruel. It makes you feel like, man, this, this guy has been, it's really been struggling and no one's trying to see it. No one's trying to help him. It's, it's just him. You know what I mean? So, and, and there are various things that happen to him during the movie that you're like, well, that just ain't right. That's just wrong. I see why you lost it at the end. So it's, it's things like that. It, for me, it was a different take on the Joker story. And I feel like it was very successful. Mo, uh, what caught your attention most while we were gone? Well, before I, I mentioned it, I did want to say something about Joker because I've seen the film. And um, Mel, I, I wouldn't say that I came out, came out of it rooting for the Joker, but I came out of it really sad about the fact that it, it really shows that the system is broken. And the system is, is slanted against those who have mental illness particularly and i particularly find it fascinating because this film again was essentially set in the 80s um it had this very wall street gordon gecko type feel to it you know in the guise of of thomas wayne um and so i just i personally feel like i could empathize with um the Joker, but I certainly, or Arthur Fle Arthur Fleck, as he's called most yeah. of the film, uh, but I certainly didn't feel like I needed to go out by the end of the movie and want to just burn stuff down. Um, to For me, you know, the one person I did sympathize with in the film was probably their Bruce Wayne, because... If you, I mean, again, I'm not going to spoil how it how it ends, um, but let's just say it, it doesn't. I think end we very all well know how it ends. Yeah. pearls but, fall in an alley. No, I'm yeah, just. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the pearls. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely get the pearls. So, 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 um, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Has there Mom's been a Batman movie without him? Martha. 
Yeah. So, I, but I did find it interesting. You know, they, they didn't even focus on Martha at all. I mean, like, Martha is just essentially, other than the pearls, it really felt like. My character. Yeah, she was really the side character. And I'm, I really was curious about her perspective on things about Thomas, because in this, in this, in the Joker movie, he, Thomas Wayne is running for mayor. That's one of the subplots. And, you know, and they talk about, there's um, some information involving Joker's mother, uh, Penny Fleck, um, who's played by Frances Conroy, who does a really, She's really amazing. Good, Frances she Conroy is, is in pretty fantastic. much everything she does. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and I'm looking at her initially, I'm like, she looks familiar. And then I realized it's Frances Conroy. It's like, at this point in her, I mean, she's playing all these matriarchs and they all deviate from each other that you you just don't realize it's her doing it. I mean, she just does a fantastic job in whatever she's doing. But anyway, I, I just I really wish the movie had 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 provided a little bit of insight into Martha's perspective on Thomas Wayne, especially once these revelations come to light about potentially the Joker and uh, Thomas Wayne's connection. I'll just leave it at at, at that. And Luke, you're you're gonna absolutely hate this probably, but it was it's Watchmen on HBO. I mean, I am just obsessed with this show. Um, yeah, it's if you're not familiar with Watchmen, and and honestly, a lot of people in geek culture are familiar with it either through the movie or the comic series or a combination of the two and for me as a fan of of comics of and i have to say that i'm really impressed with the first two episodes i think that as someone who is immersed with the comics there is just so much extra material and extra meat on the bone to chew on because the the hbo series is taking is 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 following in the path of the comic series not the movie because the movie uh, there's a key moment in the comic series that's not in the Zack Snyder film um that is really played up upon in the Watchmen TV show which is you know essentially set 30 30 almost 35 years after the comic series i was gonna um, say based on what i've heard it sounds like it's not actually the the, the series does not actually focus on the characters from the awful movie well in well, terms it, of them being present on screen well i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on that because if you i mean even if you watch the first two episodes no 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 they're it's either if they're not there's they're allu- from what I understand, they're alluded to, but they're not actually the main characters. I'm going to say they secondary. Okay. I would say they're secondary because certain ones of those characters are, are definitely on screen or will be on screen soon. Um, the, you know, versions of them from 35 years later. Uh, if you've seen the trailer, you know that one of the big uh, plot points is surrounds Rorschach right. and the roar and, and then essentially white supremacist, white supremacist, uh, white supremacist 
um, the Seventh Cavalry, who've you know kind of donned the Rorschach mask and use it as their as their totem. The character of Rorschach, of course, is not in there because you know in the comic and in the movie that character dies. But um, I heard Regina King is epic. Regina King, she's amazing. She's a, I mean, she. Oh is my a god. Beast. I mean, that sister. Her character's name, her, her, um, um, her secret identity is called Sister Knight. My girl is on point. There's a scene in the first episode where she goes into her, might as well call it her bat cave, and she dons her, her disguise, her or, or her her uniform because in this version, um. The uh, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at least, the police essentially are vigilantes. Uh, they're licensed vigilantes. They, they when they come to work, they come to work in their vigilante disguise. Um, and that's kind of sort of the backstory to the first episode. Is is that um, after um, something called the White Knight, an event in which the Tulsa police are just the police force is pretty much wiped out. The police officers now are allowed to don a superhero or vigilante identity in order to come to work to protect themselves and protect their families. Um, but yeah, uh, Regina King really drives us. It, it really, it, honestly, you can strip away the superheroics, and it, and a lot of it does feel like an HBO police uh, prestige police drama. I mean, it, it really does have those trappings. It's just that you're adding the the world of, of Watchmen, and like I said, there's just there's just so much to 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 take in, uh, just in terms of visually the senses. It's a very appealing show. The music provided by Trent Reznor, it's and um and it is just phenomenal. Um, I know you don't like it, Luke, but I have to say it's based on the on the first two episodes. It's definitely. If it sticks the landing, it will probably be one of the best shows this year. Well, I won't be resubscribing to HBO for it, but His Dark Materials comes out Monday, and I am looking forward to that. So HBO will be getting my money at least through the end of the year, or how many ever episodes there are. I think there's eight episodes or ten, somewhere in there. I don't have it in front of me, but I will be resubscribing, and I will be watching His Dark Materials, and I will be watching the Deadwood movie, which I haven't yet to watch. I love that series. But I couldn't rationalize resubscribing just for Deadwood. Let's talk a little bit about television. One of my two favorite shows, new shows of the season, one we alluded to very briefly at the very end of the last podcast, Stumptown on ABC has just been a wonderful gem. It is a fun ride with lots of character development. Um, interesting twists and, and stories. But the show that I like was not expecting to love, and it is probably my number one so far of the new fall broadcast shows. I'll caveat that. I'm not going to put them, um, like all the cable and streaming stuff in there. I am loving Nancy Drew. I did not expect to love Nancy Drew, I, but the characters all work really well together. It's there's elements of it that have the high camp that Riverdale sometimes has, but it's not over the top the same way. Um, 
it's I'm trying to it's sort of Riverdale meets and I can't think of that other show that it was just sort of combined with but it's like perfect and I am loving it 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 was such a surprise and now I like when I moved long story but I lost everything on my DVR which I like I was waiting for this move to happen and I had saved Yellowstone and I had saved um, Pose and I was going to watch both full seasons in my new house in the living room and I was going to enjoy them the new tenant who um, was moving into my old apartment called and canceled my cable subscription before I called in to do the transfer like three weeks ahead of time he called in which made it impossible for me or for them to move the DVR box so I lost Yellowstone I lost Pose I lost like 30 hours of other television shows including the um Nancy Drew Grey's Anatomy all the other ones that I watched that happened late the in the last half of the week that I moved so I have been doing a ton of catch up. And when I went back to Nancy Drew, I was like, I wish I could binge this all at once. I need it all now. The same way we um, we get it with Sabrina. I need it now. I I was not expecting like it. When I saw the trailers this fall, I was like, OK, I'll check it out. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it's just going to be a CBS show. More than likely, I'll like Batwoman much better. Um complete opposite nancy drew is fantastic and batwoman has so many problems um i know that um mel has watched it so let's talk about it for a little bit speaking of um martha's side of the family mo the dialogue the writing even some of the action in the pilot was acting not, yeah um was not good in the pilot it has minusculely improved um in sep- subsequent episodes what are you thinking of uh, batwoman thus far mo yeah i mean we're we're definitely in in lockstep with regard to um how we feel about nancy drew versus batwoman because i'm i'm totally with you with nancy drew um batwoman it's and and i really was looking forward to batwoman so was i i i, I, f- I see so much material and and not just from the comic side of things but because it's a cw show right you expect a level of soap in this and so you have the perfect opportunity for this in dealing with the kane side of the family versus the wayne side of the family because we've heard that drumbeat of the waynes for decades and re- we really know about martha and martha's side of the family is the pearls we know more about the damn pearls and the pearls showed up in an episode in the last episode i was like god damn we can't escape the damn pearls i was like oh but anyway um sorry but it just infuriates me because i see so much richness in there I mean, what is, I, again, I will get, the dialogue is a definite problem. Oh, it's bad. I really feel like we don't, and this is no shade on Ruby Rose as an actress, but I don't think the voiceover by Kate Kane's voiceover adds anything to 
the episode. It doesn't. It doesn't. It take. If anything, I feel like it takes you out. And I think part of that is it's like the character of Batwoman, if Kate Kane and Batwoman is is talking about being her own woman in the dialogue, but yet when she does the voiceovers, it's like she's recording this message to Bruce or she's 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 writing a journal to Bruce or whatever. It's like, no, 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 no. You need to take the bat. You take you take the bat for what it is. You take the elements. You take his his equipment, and you be your own woman. I mean, it just doesn't. It just doesn't land with the same punch that when Oliver Queen would do the voiceover. You know, to talk about you know, um, you know, uh, you <clears throat> you have failed the city, or I've got to become something else. That draws you in. Or when Barry Allen talks about, you know, I'm the fastest man alive or whatnot, that draws you in. That that that's a power behind that. It just it just doesn't land. It really doesn't land. The way My- it comes across is I'm the knockoff cousin of Bruce Wayne. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I feel like it it, it kind of Supergirl to a degree, I think, escaped that, particularly in the first season. Because they did a damn good job of putting up a firewall between her and Kara Superman. And, and Superman. They did a damn good job. I compliment on, them on that. Um But with with, with this, it's like I, I really feel like the, the weakness from the get-go, the origin that they used. The origin was the problem where they said that he, the Bat- Batman, failed to save um, Kate and, and Beth. And Alice mother. is a more interesting character than Batwoman. Uh, Luke Fox is a more interesting character. I'm more interested in her half-sister, adopted sister, not adopted, but like um, the stepsister, her stepsister. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Then I am in Batwoman. I was texting with Pat from the Flame On podcast about um, it originally, like when it premiered. And I was like, "Have you seen this? The writing is not very good." And so we texted a little bit, and he hadn't at the time. And then um, I was catching up on my podcast because that is one thing that you can do while you're packing and moving is listen to podcasts. Because if the cable isn't set up in the new place, you could you have to listen to the stuff on your phone. So I was listening to his podcast, and I he sort of summed it up exactly how I like he summed up he put into words what I didn't realize I was thinking, which is. When we were introduced to Batwoman on the the big event last year, she was already a fully formed character. For the series, though, we had to go back to her origin story to do it. Why couldn't we have just jumped into her being the fully formed character already that far ahead of the game in comparison to all the other CW shows in uh, Berlant- in the Berlantiverse in which everybody starts out with an origin story. Why couldn't we have just, she's there, she's present, she's kicking ass, and we kick off a story that incorporates us going forward from the crossover, and then we get her backstory filled in I don't like to say it, but this was their his suggestion with flashbacks. Um, I personally got so sick of the island, I never wanted to see a flashback again on any of the Berlanti shows. But that was the suggestion. And I can see where that would work. 
And so when when he mentioned that, it was like everything clicked because if they had just taken her forward and we didn't have to deal with all of this discovery, they could have dealt with Bruce easily. We wouldn't. I mean, you could have still had Martha's pearls, I suppose, but it it wouldn't have it wouldn't be like you're jumping backwards to go forwards because in at this point now where is the continuity where is she like if if the crossover hasn't happened like if last year's crossover hasn't happened how do we get her forward to the second crossover if she ends up being in the crisis event i mean yeah it's it just doesn't make sense. Um, Mo, um, go ahead and finish up on Batwoman, and I'll go to uh, Mel. No, 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 Luke. I was just gonna uh, agree with you. I was gonna point out, well, like, instead of flat or instead of flashbacks, all they really had to do was um, do like an episode. I don't know, an episode five or six or something like that that explains her origin. Um, someone shows up or something like that, and then they that that and they could have used that as the impetus for doing an origin instead of like a flashback that's cut up in segments and spread across multiple episodes. Mel, what did you think of Batwoman? I know you weren't on the last podcast when we touched on the pilot. I am definitely on the same page as everyone else. Um, there's a lot wrong with this show. There's a lot that's just not clicking. Like, you know, the dialogue is not the best. The acting, especially from the lead actress, yes, I will come for her, Ruby Rose, is not the best. And I feel like if you're going to have a strong villain like the actress who plays Alice, because when I watched the pilot, she was the only thing that I was like, oh, okay, I kind of like, I like where this character is. I, I get it. You know, she's the bad guy. That's fine. We all love a good bad guy here and there. Great. But she had the potential to be like, mm, all right, I'll, I'll come back and watch this show just to see what you're doing because I wasn't su- super interested in what was going on with that one because y'all, like I said, like you know, this is an origin story and I don't mind an origin story. It's just that it, it needs to be a stronger origin story to keep my attention with all the other eight thousand things going on in television. So I'm definitely on board with everyone else that. Batwoman needs lots and lots of help if it's going to get me to keep watching because I watched the first three episodes, I think, and I forgot to record it, the next one, and I have not put it back on the DVR since. So we'll see how that goes. I almost feel like another thing that could have been done with this show to at least um, put a different twist on the Berlantiverse is rather than calling it Batwoman, calling it Arkham and basically have Batwoman be the person who is dealing with a Arkham jailbreak as it were and it be episodic in terms of her having to try like if if I was going to tell her story from jump and not do the origin story whether or not it's called Arkham I would have started Batwoman off with the all the insane all the insane characters escaping from Arkham that Bruce had locked up and then she's basically cleaning up Bruce's mess. And you could have had all these great characters. You could have still had Alice be one of them. Um, Alice could be the through line of all the escape characters. But then it could have been episodic catching the various characters every week. 
And to me, that would be way more interesting than following her quasi love life, which doesn't really make sense or isn't very intriguing or or interesting. Her having to go through the discovery. I don't have a problem with Luke Fox as a character being one who is trying to adapt the suit to her and having to make changes to things. That element could have been stayed the same. Her uh, stepsister, that element could have stayed the same. But I really feel that the lens at which they cast this, they put Batwoman to tell her story was the wrong lens. But that's just me. Um, what else in television have you guys been excited about while we were gone, Mel? Well, Black Lightning always catches my fancy. Oh, so boy. It has been great this season. I love that we started the season with Jefferson and Lynn, you know, locked up and they're both basically being controlled or motivated rather by the government. You know, Jefferson let them do all kinds of tests on him to save his girls. And Lynn's been working nonstop on trying to find a cure or trying to find whatever they need for green light and everything. But I kind of love where the season is going because we get more of you know, Thunder and her vigilante services, which I think is going to get her in more trouble than she wants to. And Lightning, oh, Jen, can we just talk about Jen and her amazing powers and how we're finally getting to see more of them? And it's making me so excited. And I like how she's really starting to become less of like, teenager and teenage angst and starting to step up and and be more mature and these are all things that make me so excited about black lightning and can we also talk about the fact that bill duke is possibly one of the most nuanced villains that the berlanti verse has ever had period well i guess technically this isn't the berlanti verse so let me rephrase that the cw's dc comic uh world he is one of the most nuanced like it's it's fascinating to me that Black Lightning between Jill Scott's character and uh, Bill Duke's character has created these fantastic <laughs> nuanced villains. What he did to Tobias Whale with the burning of him like in the sunlight and then turns around and is playing all like pulling all these different sc- uh, strings for the characters. I'm telling you, I have not seen a nuanced villain on a CW or a CW show with this nuanced of a villain in a very long time. And he creeps me the fuck out, but I can't, because he's I can't so take my eyes off of him. By everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. The way that he's doing this villain is absolutely fantastic. I, I'm enjoying that show probably more than anything else I'm watching right now on TV. It's, it's just been great. Mo, how about you? Yeah, <laughs> Black Lightning is a trip, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's I I love the twist and like they're able to change things up, but again keep the core elements the same. That it is a family drama. It is about this family and remembering all of this in the midst of all this craziness. Let alone, let alone talk about some and put it in this very. Uh, contemporary context where you're you're dealing with a lot of societal issues, you know, um, the government abusing, you know, 
underrepresented populations. Um, you're essentially, they've built a wall or rather put a force field up around the city, you know, to keep people from getting out. Um, it, it's, you've, you've got these issues with the military, military industrial complex and the Markovians and, and Eastern Europe. It's it, it, a lot of very contemporary issues, but it's very straightforward very easy to understand. I really, really appreciate uh, what they're doing every episode of Black Lightning. For me, Legacies. Legacies is is matured into this sort of teen soap with all the vampire, you know, witch trappings that I want, that I wished it kind of could have been in the first season. And maybe, you know, it, we just needed some time to get to know the characters, for the characters to... Um, to really start to gel for Julie Pleck to kind of, I think, I mean, for me, it's just kind of figure out where she can move her pieces. Um, I love, uh, again, that they're remembering that to me, the main, the key relationship in this show is the Hope Michelson, Alaric relationship. And that, you know, Alaric is essentially, you know, her, uh, his, his, his adopted daughter, you know, she has no parents, um, and her other family members kind of just dumped them on a lot to deal with, you know, and, um, and so I'm really enjoying that. I like this twist that, you know, no one can remember who she is. That's, and she's still- so I will agree with you on that. That twist is a very good twist for resetting a series that had yeah. an inadequate first season, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That being said, and I've only watched the season finale or the season premiere because of my DVR issues, but I was not impressed by the season premiere. Really? I, I thought it was I thought it was a nice reset. I thought See, I thought Mo, I will say this and I will say this with as much kindness as possible since I'm not from the South. I can't say bless your heart, but I feel like you have a lot of residual vampire diaries in the original Halo effect that sort of like makes you look at legacies through rose colored glasses sometimes. Are you saying I got a magic TV? Is that what you're trying to say? Look, you might. Well, I don't know if you have a magic TV, Uh-oh. but you have some sort of TV. Well, well, here, let me push back on you. I'll tell you why I think it was a nice, it was a good season premiere. I think for, you know, we had to deal with Hope being trapped. Right. And getting back. Fine. But I liked how they showed that they were essentially kids during the summer. I mean, it was like Landon and um, Josie. They had like a nice little cute little teen romance that blossomed. Um, that was really sweet. Um, it's very interesting. It's very soapy. You know, you're going to have, again, we, we, it's essentially a return from the dead, essentially, that's going to happen. Um, once uh, Hope, everybody remembers who Hope is, and it, it's, it feels very much like a, a daytime soap in that regard, in a good way. And I like that. Um, I like that they have the consequences for a lark. That a lark, essentially, he's been demoted. He's been kicked out. He's been cut off from from his family, from the school that he invested his life in. I mean, the, the, for a lark, this is his legacy. I love that. You know, he's essentially back to the high school that he was in in Vampire Diaries, but at least he's now the principal. Um, 
And I really love the new headmaster um, that they that they brought in. Buffy uh, the Vampire Slayer. Yes, I mean. My- my boy is a trip. Giles, yeah. uh, Giles or uh, oh, oh, it's been uh, so long. I need to go back it's and Wesley watch. Wesley Wyndham Price. He played Wesley Wyndham Price on Buffy and Angel. Yep. And his character is the character's name is Professor Vartimus. Can you not have a more evil <laughs> sounding name than Vartimus? I mean, he might Voldemort, as well be uh, Voldemort. I mean, Alexis Dunnisoff. His, his character. Reminds me of Wesley Wyndham Price, but Buffy, and like I would say early Angel before he came became uh, a badass in like the last few seasons of Angel. It his character in, in uh, Legacies is is very snatty, very uppity. Um, he 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 clearly has a seek an agenda. Yeah, I know you haven't watched episodes with him. It's it's very interesting. Um, his perspective on things in, ter- in terms of, of witches, where the supernatural characters. I really am looking forward to seeing the plot with him moving forward, and him it, it, clearly their position in him as one of the vi- uh, as one of the anta- anta- uh, antagonists, if not this season's outright villain. It, it, it's really, really. I think it's strong. I think it's it's turned turned a page. Um, and again, you know, I, I got love for the Vampire Diaries in the originals. It's the tenth anniversary of of the Vampire Diaries, and I'm not pr- I'm not ashamed to say that I love. Listen, uh, I love but, both the Vampire Diaries and the originals, but I do not, in any way, shape, or form, think that Legacies is a great legacy of those two shows. <laughs> well, well, I will say, I will say, Luke, I will push. I will say, it's not the highs. Of Vampire Diaries. Jesus, <laughs> no, it is not those highs of Vampire Diaries. It's certainly not that. But I don't necessarily need See, it to be that. I, I need it. He, yeah, he, go ahead. Here's go my ahead. thing, and uh, we we can move on from it, because yeah. I know we're going into the weeds, and I don't think Mel watches, so I'm pretty sure she's, like, rolling her eyes. But I don't think that... Hope was a good character on the originals when she was not the emphasis. Hope as a lead is not in engaging as a lead because she's very one dimensional. Many of the things that I hated about Klaus pop up all the time with her as the lead. And Klaus, when I liked him best, was when he was more on the side with like Caroline or doing something. And he wasn't the big like, woe is me. I'm a vampire. I will do whatever I want because I'm wounded and I'm broken and blah, blah, blah. And so much of hope in so many instances is just like that and I didn't like that in Klaus and I I'm not drawn to it with her and so and I don't believe her romance with the Phoenix I Landon Landon. yeah I just there's elements of this show that just do not gel and when you have a cast of characters where she is almost semi-autonomous most of the time and she's not actually part of the like bigger picture with the cast like their afterthoughts it makes it very disconcerting and very uncompelling 
so, so I can see that, and I see that, and I think I wonder if that's to me part of this journey of the character of Hope because looking at it from the she is a traumatized teenage girl who essentially her whole life has been drama. It's been death, murder, mayhem. Most of it has been involved around people, uh, you know, pulling her like a rag doll. And that she is, and then she's got to a point now where she's kind of got to figure out how to do things herself. So I understand that, and that's why I think they're writing her that way. But I think part of the journey of the show is to show her that she can open up, that she can evolve, and that she can let people in, and people will not disappoint her or will will not leave her. And I think that's just part of the trauma of that character. Well, um, are, there, have, are there any movies that you're looking forward to? I might try and sneak in Terminator uh, Dark Fate this weekend if I can. Um, you guys looking forward to anything in the immediate future? Yes, I want to check out Terminator because Linda Hamilton is back and she's amazing. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to see Maleficent yet, but I've heard great things. So Angelina I, Jolie is amazing. Yes. Man, I love that character. So, and I really enjoyed the first movie. So, yeah, definitely Maleficent's on on the list of things to see. Mo, how about you? So, honestly, I mean, I'm kind of interested maybe in Charlie's Angels, and I do preface that with a kind oh, of God. maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've... So I, I have up, yet to see a by, promo of that that makes me be, feel like, yeah, let's go watch some Lucy Liu kick butt. It, like <laughs> when Lucy Liu was in that version of Charlie's Angels, I was there for Lucy Liu. Thus I far, I have no one that I am there for. Well, yeah, I'm not. Like I said, I'm not sure because they really to me. It's I feel like in many ways it's it's kind of thin. Pickens between that and Star Wars for me. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, I may, you know what? I mean, I could just wait until Star Wars, but I just, I, I'm, I'm okay in terms of movies. Um, are, are you guys, have you guys signed up for Disney plus? I feel like that's something I have to get done this, uh, like signing up for HBO and now and uh, Disney plus are like on my weekend priority list. Have you guys signed up yet? <laughs> For the Mandalorian, yep, I'm in. I'm all the way in for Disney Plus. It and it's not just that you know they have Mandalorian; they have everything. <laughs> that cumulative cumulative list that dropped for everything that would be on Disney Plus. I was like, "Well, take my money. You got me. I'm in." Mo, have you signed up yet? No, I haven't signed up yet. Um, I'm. I'm, I'll get to it. I feel like I feel like I don't necessarily need to sign up until I really need to sign up to watch The Mandalorian or, or get The Mandalorian more or less. Because, cause like, I feel like I'm so overwhelmed with all these other shows I'm trying to catch up on that See, it's like one more. And, yeah. Um, I, I got to figure out how to do it because I, like, I pick up and drop uh, services at I don't with the exception of Netflix and which I pay for every month and then Hulu which I get th free through my Spotify I don't 
keep any others month to month, year in, year out. I pick them up and drop them as needed. So, like, I've got to get HBO for dark his Dark Materials. I have to get Disney Plus for The Mandalorian. And then I still have to catch up on the, this, the um, Star Trek Discovery, the second season. And I need it in time for Picard to arrive in January. So I'm like, okay, how quickly can I get through The Mandalorian and his Dark Materials so I can drop one or both of those so that I can then pay for CBS All Access in January to watch Picard and Discovery? And so I'm like, I got to figure this out because things are getting tense and I'm not paying all that money all at once for all these services. And I still have never watched the DC thing. I would like to try Teen Titans and Doom Patrol, but I haven't had a chance to watch either of those yet because that's just yet another service to pay for. So I got to figure that out. Well, I mean, with you could in theory, I'm I suspect we know with HBO Max, and, and, and I don't know if you saw, if you all it's coming saw out in May, right? Yeah. Um, the list of stuff that they've, they've, they dropped the list of stuff for, for HBO Max. There's going to be a lot of originals. Um, it almost feels and, like HBO Max is becoming the Warner Brothers non DC platform. That's exactly what it is. Oh, it's exactly. I mean, forgot, I mean, you're getting the HBO stuff plus the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and the West Wing. I mean, that's that's an interesting combination. The thing about it is, is you don't really think about Warner Brothers television today the way it was back in like its heyday because everything is because we've gone to this environment where the broadcast networks have their own production company. So ABC is airing shows developed by ABC television and Fox was before they merged was airing shows from Fox television. And there were fewer shows being produced by companies like Warner Television making it onto broadcast channels, or if they did, they didn't last as many seasons because the money was being split up. But back in the day, Warner produced, I mean, for decades, tons of really popular shows. And if you think about, if Disney pulls everything off of Netflix from the Fox and Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, ABC television freeform universe and puts all of that stuff on Hulu and Disney plus and Warner pulls all of its stuff out to go on HBO max. And then you have the peacock coming to do the universal side of things. And and CBS All Access is already doing it. At some point, Netflix is not going to have all the old reruns that we're accustomed to. They're just going to have basically their marquee shows and a bunch of foreign stuff that people may or may not want to watch. Yeah, I think, well, I think that's ultimately what's going to happen, uh, except for like those independent studios like, um, like Sony and uh, AMC, mm. which still produces content. I think you're going to. I don't think you're going to get a AMC streaming service. I think you're still going to find your Walking Deads and so forth on on Netflix for a long a long time to come and I suspect you will still get a large amount of Sony stuff as well um that they can try to sell to Amazon as well. I I just I don't know. It, it just Mel, I mean, do you feel like you're overwhelmed with these streaming services? I mean, yes. Because essentially it's going to turn into I should have just kept cable because that's how much money I'm shelling out for all of these individual services. You know, it's fine when you have 
things like Netflix and Hulu that encompasses shows and movies from all networks and all the studios and everything. But when we start getting down to these specific ones like Disney Plus, that's going to feature all Disney everything. And now it's being taken away from your Hulus and your Netflix and HBO that's going to feature all HBO things, you know? And it's like, well, y'all, y'all need to understand that I really just like television in general. And I like movies in general, not just particularly one studio or one this and one that. And it's kind of, it to me, it's forcing you to choose which ones you like the best, you know? And to say that, okay, I'm just going to watch this most of the time. I'm going to watch that. But I really just like to watch it all. And I, I mean, I'm going to keep my Netflix and keep Hulu and things like that. But as for everything that's coming out, that's this network specific and studio specific, I kind of got to, I got to watch my pennies on those and pick and choose of what I want to watch and, and what I'll pay for and what I don't want to pay for. And I feel like that's kind of the future of where we're headed when these with these streaming services and everything and i don't know if i necessarily like that right like i get amazon prime free because i subscribe Mm -hmm. to amazon prime but i can tell you on one hand how many amazon prime shows i've actually watched i've watched jack ryan and i've watched uh i never remember the name um but it's with david tennant um oh uh, um good omens yes good omens which was fantastic and there might have been one other, but in terms of Amazon Prime shows, I don't go to Amazon Prime for television. I go to Amazon Prime if I if I go to Amazon Prime to see if there's a movie that Hulu and Netflix don't have that I can get for free on Amazon Prime because I'm already paying for it. Like, it's not like I'm going to it for television. And now we've got Apple coming, and the Apple shows... I'm sorry, but there's some of those that look fantastic, but I don't, A, I have an iPhone, but I don't have any other Apple products in my house. So what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to download an Apple TV app to then broadcast on my Chrome to my television? I mean, it it just seems weird. Well, I was going to say, do you need to get a new Apple product? I don't, I don't well no, that's the thing like, that's, I, that, that's the thing like they haven't made it extremely clear at least in their advertising like they advertise all these shows and they advertise the service but they haven't made it extremely clear how you actually access it through through their advertising i'm assuming it's an app that you can then like broadcast but you get into these things where amazon won't let Amazon Prime be streamed through a Chrome to a TV. Well, I've got Chromes on both of my big TVs, and that's how I do my primary amount of streaming. Like, I'll load up Netflix on my phone because search for what I'm looking for on my phone because it's easier, and then Chrome it to my TV. And I do that with Hulu, and I do it with Netflix, I do it with CBS All Access. But, like, considering how proprietary Apple is, are they going to allow you to do that? I should probably do some research into it. But... I, I just, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, there's a simpler solution. I mean, the simple solution is if you have your laptop, take your HDMI cable, just plug your HDMI cable to your TV. And, oh, I don't and, have Apple products anymore. The only Apple products I have is um, my iPhone. No, no, no. I'm just saying literally taking a, just a regular HDMI cable. 
Well, and or the other the other thing is is, and this is the other way to get around it. I'm assuming that if you could watch it in a browser, I could just open up it in Chrome and then Chrome Chromecast from my browser to my TV. Yeah, it's, and I'm yeah, because I'm looking on my phone now. And it's a it's an app you can get. I mean, you just get that Apple mm-hmm. TV app. But I mean, I would if you got to get a new phone or anything, a new iPhone anytime soon, or some other Apple product, you That's- can get it. That's coming up. That's coming up in February, so we shall see. That's when I'll be getting the new iPhone, so we shall see. Or maybe mm-hmm. Christmas. I'm close enough to the end of my contract. I might be able to get it as a Christmas gift. <laughs> Final thoughts, Mo. Luke, you haven't even talked about the big, the big announcement. I figured you'd be talking about you, you, you'd like tee us up to have a little, a little discussion. Which is. As I New told Game you, I have, been un- I have been unplugged for almost two weeks. W- what is this? The new Game of Thrones show, Luke. The uh... Game of Thrones drama. <laughs> Luke, you, you sound you know so amused. <laughs> you so here's, here's the thing. Straight up. I don't care about any Game of Thrones prequels. Period. All so I, I care the- about, all I care about, is what happened to Arya when she went off on that ship. What happened to Sansa at, up in the as Queen of the North? I don't. Did the give- last season make you so angry that you're like, forget this show and forget? No, everything. no. Like I am not one of the people who was. I was not uh, that upset with the final season. I thought it was an adequate final season, but let me tell you, there have been season final seasons and series finales that have been way worse and made me way more angry than the final season and the final episode of game of Thrones. So all I'm looking for, like when it comes to the game of Thrones mythology, if you are going to give me a new adventure with Arya as the lead, fantastic if you are going to give me something in king's landing where it's a hundred years later in the future fine i have zero interest in watching any prequels that have to do with westeros and i'm only minimally interested in i was only minimally interested in the targaryen story before they came over because there was the opportunity for big fucking dragons and you were able to see this the story of a rise and fall of a family in that world. Be, but other than that, we know where everything else ends. We know what happens. So unless it's either going forward in the future or you're actually telling the story about big fucking dragons, I don't give a <laughs> flying flip. That's the, that's the title of the podcast, Luke. Big fucking dragons. <laughs> I think we might have already and used that's that. That's our po- time today, folks. <laughs> I think we might have already used that title at some point. I'd have to go back and check. But, I mean, for the whole thing about the Game of Thrones is it is a series that is near and dear to my heart. Season six for me is possibly the best season of television I have ever watched because I've never had a season where where there are so many spectacular episodes. There were things that happened in that season that were not good, but there were many things that were fantastic. I would prefer to with this franchise for anything that to be that is developed for it to be something that is post the final battle. 
I I think that there are so many stories about whether it's John, Arya, whether whether or not Danny is actually dead. Where did the dragon go? Why? Like maybe he brought her back to life. She's the queen of dragons. Maybe he flew off with her somewhere and burnt her to a crisp, and she re came back like a phoenix. Who knows? But I am only interested in shows that move the story forward. I do not need a prequel to this at all. Mel, final thought? Um, my final thought is that big fucking dragons. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lost in Space season two is confirmed back December 24th. And I officially know what I'm doing for Christmas. It's watching Lost in Space. So, yes, I'm, I'm very excited that it's back. And Mo, since you got me off on a tangent for what apparently is my final thought on Big Fucking Dragons, what is your final thought? My final thought, actually, um, and this is uh, shifting the comics. Um, I've been really, really enjoying uh, the relaunch or the rejuvenation of the X-Men titles, uh, courtesy of Jonathan Hickman. He had a 12-part series um, that was essentially two minis called House of X and Powers of Ten, or it's written Powers of X. And after that, it's 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 really put an interesting spin on the X Men, the X Men characters, particularly Moira McTaggart. They've transitioned now that that twelve issues, um, uh, those tw- uh, twelve issues have come out into what they call Dawn of X, which is the new branding for the X titles. They recently relaunched an X-Men book that's written by Jonathan Hickman. They've got several more coming out in the next few weeks and months. Really, really excited about what, what Jonathan Hickman is doing. It, it's been a very long time since I've, I've been this excited about reading X-Men comics. So I am only the most casual of comic book readers. I have some that I get pulled and I read them, but like I've never professed ever to be a comic book nerd. I love listening to people talk about comics. Love it. But when I went into the comic book shop and was like, so how can I catch up on the story for the X-Men? And because I've heard it's really good. And then found out that it was a rotating story between between two series and that in order for me to get the story, I had to go back and forth between these. I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. I don't care how good it is. I am not going back and forth between two series. If you cannot tell a story in a linear series, I don't have a problem where there, when comics come along and they'll insert one in that is like, that tells, I, I forget the name of it, but like basically they bring in a special, like it's still in the continuity of the series. So in like Aquaman, you'll be at 950 something. And then 956 is this one that's some sort of crossover one. And then it gives me the option to go off. But I I don't mind that at all. I get it. But if I have to go and be spending five bucks or how much ever it is, $4.99 per issue to go back and forth between two different series to to read a story? No, I'm not doing it. I'm not that hardcore of a fan. I love comics. I appreciate the art form. I appreciate the things that you can do through the how their story is told. But no. <laughs> no. Well, Luke, <laughs> I will say in its defense, I will say it's either 
and it's probably it was either Marvel wanting to chop it up and not say this was like a maxi series of one of twelve, or that it was the structure that Jonathan Hickman kind of wanted um, because it it really is essentially what they like to say two series that are one. Here's um, the th- here's the thing though, if they're wanting me, if like everybody's always complaining about comic book sales, that kind of shit is why you buy the graphic novel. Uh, oh yeah, the the graphic novel is about the hit, and it, 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 it honestly will be cheaper to get it that way. If right. You're, if you're right. Uh, yeah. But but what I'm saying is, if you were trying to make money off the comics, which they're always talking about how comic book sales, comic book sales, comic book sales, they need to improve, they need to improve, going back and forth like that and not telling a linear story so the person can actually just follow one of them. If you're trying to get me to buy into all this stuff, no, I will wait until the the graphic novel comes out and then I will buy it and pay less than it, what you were going to charge me for all of these other things, because it will be 20 bucks versus 60. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. yeah I see what you said. I was just doing the math in my head for this powers and, and house, but, um, no, yeah, I'm it's, just using it. Yeah. I, oh, I know. Example, I'm, but. Just, I'm just saying though, it's certainly, if you decide to read it, I think, and, and, and when it's collected as a trade, it'll be collected as one. It will not be uh, a separate right. trade house. That, and a that's trade why I'm house. saying, like, I'm going to wait for the trade. I'm not going to, like, no. I was already behind on it because I was, like, by issue three or something on it for each of them. And I was like, no, I am not going to try and find six second edition copies of this because the first editions are sold out and then pay full price for them. I'll just wait for the trade. And then I'll catch up on what everybody else has been talking about being so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's fabulous. On that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Melody is at Melody Eagles, And Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 It's been a while since I gave yours out. Yes, that is uh, correct. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, y'all. Bye, bye everybody.